Hey everyone, welcome to the City Light Podcast. If you're listening to this, uh, you might realize that this is a little bit different than what we did on Sunday morning because unfortunately, um, the... Uh, the recording did not work. And so um, I'm recording this again in a different location, but we felt it was an important part of the series and wanted to give it a chance to be heard by others who maybe didn't make it to church that day. So um, we're going through a series right now called The Greatest Life. And if you look on amazon.com and look in the top selling books, you'll see a theme. One of the themes in there is how do we live this life successfully? How do we live uh, a life full of meaning and full of purpose and, and a life where we, we can you know, come to the end of our life and feel like we did what we were created to do or did what we were meant to do? Um, and you know, that's part of what we're talking about today. We wanted to tackle that issue kind of using uh, this movie that's really taken our culture by storm, uh, The Greatest Showman. We're using songs from that movie as a vehicle through which to talk about what does it look like as a follower of Jesus to have the greatest life. And so the song that we're talking about this week is This Is Me, and you can uh, Google that and watch it. And, you know, what I love about this song is the kind of raw honesty that you see in the lyrics and in the character. Um, you know, some of the lyrics that she says are, I am not a stranger to the dark. Hide away, they say, because we don't want your broken parts. I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars. Run away, no one will love you as you are. And I just think, you know, in our culture where there's an epidemic of loneliness, where there's an epidemic of suicides, I feel like this is just such a pertinent topic. This, this idea of brokenness and darkness that's inside of us. And, and even as you hear those words, some of you have heard, have been spoken those very words to you by friends or parents or coworkers or, you know, some of us just have an internal dialogue that looks like this. And here's the thing. None of us are perfect. And I think that there's a pressure in, especially in Christianity, to feel like you need to come off as having everything all together. But that just serves to be kind of a trap where what we can't do is we can't be vulnerable and we can't be transparent with our weaknesses because we feel somehow we'll be viewed as a failure or we'll be viewed as less than. And here's what I want to do today. I want to just rip that off and just talk about the fact that we all have broken places. We all have dark places in our hearts, in our lives. And what what God wants to do is God doesn't run from those places, but you'll find that God moves toward the broken places of our lives. God moves toward the dark places of our lives because he is a redeemer and he is a healer and he is um, wanting to come and take those places in his hands and bring newness out of them. In fact, the tagline for today's teaching is God has a beautiful plan for your brokenness. And I want to, by the end, just convince you of that, just inspire you to that, that God has a beautiful plan. It's not to ignore your brokenness. It's not to get over, quote unquote, your brokenness. But God has a beautiful plan. He's going to bring something beautiful out of your brokenness. For me, you know, one of the areas of brokenness in my life is anxiety. And it's an issue that, um, that I've dealt with just in the last few years. And, it, you know, it was always kind of <laughs> Mandy's issue, my wife's issue. Um, but I've apparently just have been married to her long enough that I've started to adopt her issues as well as my own. Um, but, you know, when I look at my life, like anxiety for me, I think stems from growing up with a mom who was, who was really ill. And, um, you know, maybe you don't know that about my story, but, you know, a year before I was born, my mom was diagnosed with lupus. It's a, it's a chronic incurable disease. And, um, it, you know, it kind of, 
presents itself in a lot of different ways um, in different people. But for my mom, it basically acted like a magnet for all other diseases coming in. And it was just a slow downward spiral through 30 years of her fighting this illness. And, you know, I went through as a child really having to struggle with the fact that I, there was no guarantees for me with her. I mean, there was actual fear in my life that I could come home someday and she, you know, she may have passed away. And, you know, there was ambulance, uh, you know, emergency ambulance rides and there was, you know, months away where I wouldn't see my mom because she'd be in special hospital. Or, um, and I think one of the things that has happened to me is that there's a lack of trust in, in God for me, that there's a fear of being out of control. And that's what anxiety, that's what produces anxiety in me is that sense of, you know, not having control, not having control of keeping bad things from happening to people I love. That's really, if you drill down to what, you know, what can really, really get to me is, that lack of control of keeping bad things from happening to the people I love. And, you know, I know that it's an issue that I'm working through and that I'm broken in. Um, you know, it's all connected. And so, like, but we all have this, right? We all have these dark places. You know, what are, what are some of the things in your life where you, um, where you sense just that, that kind of lack, that kind of hurt? Um, you know, for some of you, it could be your childhood was, um, you know, there was, there was, you know, I mean, it could be anything. It could be serious, like abuse, or, or it could be neglect, or it could be just distance, you know, and you've carried some of this baggage into your adulthood. I and mean, for some of you, maybe you've gone through a divorce, and, you know, even in the church, you feel like you're a second-class citizen. You feel like you're not as much as. Um, maybe you've struggled with an addiction in your past, and, you know, you've overcome it, but you're just not as good as other people, and so you feel like, uh, relegated to a, another level, like a second class citizen, or, or you feel, um, or maybe you're struggling with addiction right now, and you just are trapped, and you just don't know how to get out, and, and it's, you've tried everything that you know, and you're just stuck, and you feel so ashamed, and you feel so powerless. Um, you know, maybe, uh, as a teen, you've got a secret life that you don't know who to talk to about. Even adults have secret lives, but you know, maybe you've got this issue in your life that you just feel like you can't talk to people about. Or maybe for you, it's more of an inner thing. It's not so much action-oriented. It's not something someone's done to you. But it's an inner conversation in your heart that has kind of become dark. And this inner conversation is, is you know, man, you know, I, am, I can't do anything right. I can't do anything right. Why would anyone want to be married to you? Why would anyone want to uh, hire you? You're worthless. You're ugly. You're stupid. You know, people are talking about you when you're not around. No one really likes you. They just uh, tolerate you. No one really listens to you. Um, you know, so where are you dwelling in the dark? What areas of your life are you just feeling the oppression of you know, past pain or present doubt and frustration? And what do we do with that? So what do we do with our brokenness? I found just from observing my own life and kind of watching other people live their lives, there's kind of four ways that we respond to our brokenness. Number one, we ignore it. You know, I think that this is a classic thing that we do where we, uh, we bury that and think that it's just going to go away. And you all know that that's not right. We all know that's not right. We all know it's going to come back to bite us. But sometimes it just is easier to not deal with it. We look, when we look into the face of our pain or our brokenness, we think, this is just too much for me to handle. And so whether it's conscious or subconscious, we bury it. So, so number one, we ignore it. Number two, we wallow in it. You know, sometimes I feel like we just can get stuck in our brokenness. We can just get stuck and let it define us. You know, see, Jesus doesn't want to define you by your brokenness. He wants to bring beautiful newness. He has a beautiful plan, a new life out of your brokenness. He doesn't ever want to leave you 
in your brokenness, right? So we wallow in that sometimes. We let it define it. This is who I am. We need to break those definitions off of us because that's not who God sees us as. So we ignore it. We wallow it. Number three, sometimes we just repeat it. I mean, honestly, you know, um, there's cycles. Like I, I, I grew up with kind of dealing with anger um, and and I, when I got married, it's not like it magically went away, unfortunately. And then when I had kids, and so there's a cycle where when I, when I feel like, you know, either I'm not being listened to or something like that, I, I tend to respond instead of like with a proportionate amount of frustration, but with like a disproportionate amount of anger over to the top. And it's just a cycle that I have, that I got into until one day someone presented me with the truth. And I obviously am not perfect now, but someone uh, shared a Bible verse with me that says, you know, the, um, the, Anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And I realized, like, as a, as a husband and as a father, like, what I was trying, what I was upset about, I was often trying to right a wrong or, or correct somebody or do something like that. And I, I felt like, you know, a righteous indignation. But really, my anger wasn't producing the righteousness of God. It was doing the opposite. My anger was producing hurt. It was producing alienation. It was tearing people down. And so it's this cycle that I got caught into that I had to be broken free of. So you can ignore it, wallow it, wallow in it, repeat it, or you can choose to be more than an overcomer. And here's what I want to talk about today. We're going to look at um, some verses in the Bible and talk, that talk about this. But we're not talking about overcoming in the sense that, like, we just think if you pray a little bit more, you'll be all better. That anxiety will just disappear. And, you know, that depression will just be gone forever. You know, we, I recognize and I believe in kind of a systemic approach to all brokenness and all things in life. I think prayer and reading your Bible and community and serving other people and counseling and sometimes medication, are, all of those things and more are all necessary. Exercise, diet, rest, they're all part. We're, we're complicated beings. We're systems upon systems inside of us. And so I'm not just saying a pithy, you know, um, ah, just get over it. That is not the message that Jesus has and not what I'm saying at all. But I do believe that we can do more than ignore it, wallow it, or repeat it. That we can be more than overcomers. We can move through healing and into helping other people in the very areas where we've been hurt. All right? That's the beautiful plan that God has for your brokenness. Like picture this. My wife loves to restore old furniture. So what she'll do, literally, is she'll see a piece of furniture on the side of the road that someone else is throwing away, right? Isn't that like the line in the song that we were just talking about, right? That said, um, you know, we don't want your broken parts. No one, will, no one will love you as you are. So she'll find these literally pieces of trash on the side of the road that someone else has decided I'm done with. She'll bring it home and she'll fix the things that are broken uh, she'll, she has, you know, she's got wood skills. She's really amazing at this. And she'll, you know, pull drawers out that are broken, fix them, fix legs. She'll, re, uh, she'll strip it all down, refinish the top, repaint the, um, the sides and everything. And then boom, there's this beautiful, beautiful piece of furniture that people love and will pay good money for. And it's just amazing the gift that she has for this. And I think that that's a great picture of what God does. He, he takes the broken parts of our life and he makes beautiful things out of them. So let's look at, um, look, I want to look at a couple of things that Paul wrote. So Paul was an earlier follower of Jesus, and, um, you know, one of the earliest followers of Jesus. And, but if anyone knew brokenness, it was Paul. Because he, um, before he became a follower of Jesus, he actually persecuted. He would hunt down and kill and imprison followers of Jesus. And then Jesus met him in this dynamic encounter on the, uh, on the road to Damascus, and his life was profoundly impacted and changed in the course of history for Christianity was changed as well. 
But think about this guy then going into churches and trying to start churches and going into synagogues and trying to talk about Jesus. And everybody knows this is the guy who would kill Christians. And think about the baggage that he carried around. And yet he was able to move forward and God used his brokenness and had a beautiful plan. And I want you to think about him writing from that place. So um, this, is, this is in Colossians 3. And uh, what it says here is, I'm sorry, it's not in Colossians 3. This is in Romans 8. And what it says here is, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, and that's how he starts. It's such a beautiful, beautiful uh, way to write that. And it's something that I wish that we could all memorize. So it's Romans 8, 31. We're going to go up to 39. So he says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us? And so some of us might think, well, there's a lot of things that are against us. <laughs> you know, uh, the world's against us. Um, my health is against me. Uh, financially, things are set against me. But the point is, nothing is greater than God. And so just listen to this and, 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 and try to hear this for yourself. Let's read this one word at a time, if God is for you. So right now, God is for you. Think about it. this. Is, this is the point of this verse. It's not like if I was for you, that's great. I'm encouraging and I might be a nice guy, but that's not going to really do a whole lot for you. But this is God. It's saying God, creator of the universe, God, immortal, eternal, God, all-powerful, omniscient. God is on your side. He is for you. It's like walking up to a two, two-on-two basketball game and your partner is LeBron James, right? It's like God is on your side, all right? So God is for you. This is right now. It's not in the future. It's not when you get your life together. It's not when you figure things out or study the Bible or pray enough or fast enough. It's God is. He is for you right now. Where you're sitting in your car, where you're sitting at home or at your desk or whatever. If you're listening to this like on your iPod or, you know, phone laying in bed or whatever, like God is. He's present. He he says that he is the great I am. He's not the I was or the I will be. He's the I am. He's right now with you. Right now, he's with you in your life. He's for you. God is for you. He's not against you. Think about that. So many of us feel that God is actually against us, and that's such a lie. He is for you. He is on your side. He is thinking the best for you. He has dreams for you. He has plans for you. He's cheering for you. Can you imagine that? Can you just close your eyes for a second, except for if you're driving, don't do that. But can you just close your eyes for a second and picture God of the universe cheering for you? He is on your side. God is for you as an individual. He's for you. He's not for the masses. He's not for, oh yeah, I know God loves everybody, but if you only knew me, God is for you. If God is for you, really, if God is for you, who can be against you? It continues. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? What he's saying is, I am generous towards you, God. This is, remember, Paul's writing and Paul's saying, I know what it is to be broken, but if God is for me, who can be against me? See, people were hunting Paul down, spreading lies about him. He would leave one town to go to another town and people would go to the town he just left and try to destroy his reputation. He's saying, listen, if God is for me, who can be against me? If God gave Jesus to me, won't he give me even more? He's saying, he already gave me the greatest gift. He will continue to be generous towards me. It continues, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is he who condemns? So the point is, we often think, well, I I have plenty of reasons to condemn myself. You know, 
I'm a, I'm a bad husband. I'm a bad friend. God can't use me. You don't know my past. I've got so much baggage. Who is it that's accusing you? You have accusing voices in your head that you listen to. We all do. Sometimes it's old tapes from people who have said things to you that you just can't break. Sometimes it's an inner voice that you, an inner dialogue that you have against yourself. Sometimes the enemy of our souls, you know, Jesus talks about that there's an enemy, a spiritual foe, and he's speaking against this in our hearts as well. But he says, it's God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? The next words are no one. No one, not you, not me, not the enemy, not your parents, not your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your ex-wife or your, uh, you know, coworker. No one can bring a charge against you because Jesus is for you. Jesus is for you. We don't need to listen to the lies of negativity. You're not worth it. You're not worthy. You're going to mess up. You're always a failure. No one really likes you. We can break those broken places in our life because God is for us. Who can condemn us? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Therefore, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And he goes on to say, no one, no one can separate us. No one can separate us. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. More than conquerors. See, God has a beautiful plan for your brokenness. God has a beautiful plan for your brokenness. Believe this. So here's the three practical things that we can take from this verse. Number one, believe that God is for you. This is a paradigm shift. This is really where it starts. You matter. You are valuable to God. You are specially created by God for a purpose and a plan on this earth. Believe that God is for you. He's not against you. Number two, Learn to silence the accusers. This may be a daily occurrence. You may need to wake up every day and say, God, give me the grace to not listen to the lies that I've believed. Give me the grace to silence these thoughts. You know, we wrestle with thoughts that sometimes are so accusatory. How can I break those thoughts? Number three. So number one, believe God is for you. Number two, learn to silence the accusers. Number three, be more more than an overcomer. And this is where I want to end. Be more than an overcomer. This is not just about overcoming. This is, I really firmly believe this. God is not in the business of just helping people overcome. He's in the business of helping people be more than overcomers. What's the difference? So the difference for me is this. You, it's, it's not just about, um, okay, I had this issue in my life. I've overcome it. Now I can live. I'm doing well. No, it's like a more than overcomer is, yes, I've overcome, but now I will reach back and help people in those situations. See, God often takes our brokenness and turns them into our ministry. God often takes our brokenness and turns them into how we help others. He takes the dark places of our heart and the dark places of our past and the things that we wrestle with, and he uses us to pull others up out of that same brokenness and same darkness. That is the power of Jesus. He is a redeemer. And when we become followers of Jesus, we become ministers or um, another, you know, another word for that is we become like uh, ambassadors of his mission of redeeming people. So you become on God's team looking for people of brokenness and bringing them into wholeness. Looking for people who have been um, cast aside, who've been thrown out or on the side of the street and bringing them into a home and being part of bringing healing and restoration into their lives. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. 
What I want to do now is I'm going to, um, we're going to transition, and we've also recorded, I ended this teaching when I taught it with a good friend of mine, Laura Robinson, sharing her testimony. And what I've been so amazed with Laura is that she has some issues that she struggles with in her life. Not only is she continually, daily choosing to be an overcomer, but she is helping others in those areas. And it's so inspirational. So I want you to listen to that, and I just hope that you're, you're encouraged. I hope that you remember, listen, God is for you. That you can silence the accusatory thoughts in your heart and your head, and you can be more than overcomer. That God has a beautiful plan for your brokenness. I have felt like an outsider in my life, and my struggles with depression and anxiety have caused me a lot of shame. There has been this lie that I have believed that because of my mental health struggles that I cannot be someone that God uses or someone that holds a lot of value. God started speaking to that place in me over and over and then over and over again because I can be a little slow. And that tiny voice in me started growing. This voice that didn't want to be held back by depression or anxiety anymore. God has led me on this journey of understanding the value and worth in exactly who I am and in exactly who he's created me to be. He has taken my hand and he has slowly and gently helped me walk out some of the things he has called me to do. It has been a slow process, but I can honestly look back and I can really see from where I've come. I know my worth and my value doesn't change in what I do, but God has taken the brokenness and shame I've felt and he's turned it around in me. I'm definitely not finished with my journey or have I met some sort of destination But some of the areas I have struggled with are the exact areas where I have had the privilege of helping others. I get to speak to the places that feel hopeless because I have felt hopeless and I've walked through it and I sometimes still do. And there has been so much redemption and so much healing in that for me.